0: In Dr. Luke's genealogy of Christ, he goes all the way back to Adam. And in the third chapter of Luke, we read, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Adam, the first human, was a son of God. Now, the note on that verse in the Net Bible reads, Quote, the reference to the Son of God here is not to a divine being, but to one directly formed by the hand of God. He is made in God's image, so the phrase could be read as appositional. Adam, that is, the Son of God. So created directly by God, a son. Mark's gospel is introduced this way. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ comma, the Son of God. Mark 1, 1.
1: In the fourth gospel,
0: John tells us, Jesus, quote, was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God. Even... To them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. John 1, 10 through 13. So the beloved apostle teaches that to those who believe, Jesus gave the power to become sons of God. I want you to think with me briefly this afternoon about this phrase, sons of God. Please listen to what St. Matthew records when he describes what happened when the Magi departed at that nativity scene. This is from Matthew chapter 2, and he writes, Joseph, being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, departed into their own country another way. Oh, this is the Magi. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise. Take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son, Matthew 2, 12 through 15. And did you hear that last part? Matthew tells us that Jesus coming with his family to Nazareth of Galilee after the death of Herod is the fulfillment of a prophetic word. And if you have a reference Bible, it will point you to the prophetic reference in the prophecy of Hosea. Please turn to the book of Hosea, chapter 11. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 1, he reads, when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Now, what does that refer to? I mean, it's obviously a rhetorical question, but the answer should be apparent. What was the greatest moment in the history of the Old Covenant people of God? A moment that they looked back to, a moment they celebrated every year with feasting and fasting and ceremonies of remembrance. A moment the psalmist perpetually calls to his remembrance when he's downcast to encourage himself in the Lord, and he recalls the greatest deliverance in the history of the people of God. What is it? Well, it's the Exodus. It's the Exodus when God calls his child, his son, out of Egypt. When God sends Moses to Pharaoh to demand the release of his people, he commands Moses, Thou shalt say to Pharaoh, Thus saith Yahweh, Israel is my son. Even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Exodus four, verses twenty two and twenty-three. Israel is my son. Well that prophecy from Hosea out of Egypt, Have I called my son, is applied <laughs> by Matthew to Jesus, but that seems not to be the original intent in Hosea Hosea 11.1. The original prophecy seems to be God's chosen people, known by the name of their progenitor, Israel, Jacob, of them, the descendants of Israel. God says, Israel is my son and I've called him out of Egypt. Now, that phrase, sons of God, and son of God in the Old Testament parlance has often been used to describe someone with a very special relationship to God. Israel. You may recall these words from the first chapter of Job. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before Yahweh, and certain Satan came also among them. Job 1, verse 6. Theologians generally agree that the phrase sons of God there in Job 1, 6 refers to the angels of God, created beings, sons of God, like Adam, the son of God, Creations of God. Remember, Adam was a son of God, but those sons of God did not have dominion over the earth. That was given to Adam, the father of humanity, and to us, we who are sons of Adam. When the Almighty answers Job and speaks to him out of a whirlwind, he asks Job, where wast thou? when I laid the foundations of the earth. Declare, if thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? And who laid the cornerstone thereof, when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Job 38, verses 4. Through seven. So we see before humanity even existed, before the creation of earth, God had other sons. Angels, morning stars, what some theologians have referred to as older brothers. So just to clarify, the Bible clearly unambiguously, unequivocally, teaches the existence of extraterrestrial beings. Do you understand that? Mm -hmm. That is, created sons of God whose providence, provenance, is not of earth, though they may from time to time be dispatched here on divine business. Well, friend, listen, to be related to God, familially, it's a really, really big deal. It's a big, big deal. The 2,000-plus years of church history behind us has made it so that when we read Matthew 2.15, Out of Egypt have I called my son. We probably think of the divine son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, And so he is, but I don't believe that that's what Matthew had in mind when he penned that verse. Matthew was a Jew, and he was thinking like a Jew, familiar with Hebrew cosmology, familiar with the old covenant scriptures, and he probably was not thinking like a 21st century Christian. And I don't believe he was using that phrase, son of God like the Jews often did, as one highly favored by God. I'm sure you remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the burning fiery furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar because they refused to bow the knee to his golden idol. You remember, they wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't burn they didn't burn up. And Daniel reports that King Nebuchadnezzar looked into the burning fiery furnace and said, "Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt in the form of the fourth is like the son of God." Daniel 3:25 We you know, theologians call that a theophany God shine, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus, the divine son of God. So I believe Matthew was using the phrase son of God, referring to Jesus like the Jews often did, to refer to one highly favored by God. But listen, in addition to being Matthew the Jew, he's also Matthew the evangelist. Matthew, the gospel writer. Matthew, the apostle of Jesus. And Matthew understands more. He understands more. Matthew understands that Jesus is not only the the, uh, Elohim, one highly favored by God, Jesus is also uh, the Son of God. And Jesus is also Theos Ha God the Son. Matthew understands more. He understands that Jesus was not the son of Joseph. For Joseph took unto him Mary his wife and knew her not until she brought forth her firstborn son. Matthew 1 24 and 25. You see, Matthew understood that the ovum was Mary's, but the sperma was not Joseph's. The sperma was Yahweh's. So that Jesus of Nazareth, the man, was the actual seed and offspring of Almighty God. Listen, it's important to understand what we believe. And contrary to modern heretics who see Christianity as mostly a way to live your best life now, we hope with the saints of old in the resurrection of the body. The restoration of an unfallen genome. Life everlasting as our bodies are restored like the unfallen Adam, like the resurrected Jesus, and access to the tree of life is restored, and we eat of the fruit that heals and sustains forever. understand what we believe. We believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Matthew the Apostle appropriates Hosea 11.1, 1, a prophecy that obviously had its primary typological fulfillment in Israel's exodus after a 400-year sojourn in Egypt. And we learn from Matthew in 2.15 that the definitive fulfillment Of Hosea's prophecy is in our Lord, Jesus Christ, the ultimate Son of God, called out of Egypt. Jesus is the highly favored Son of God. He's the divine seed and offspring of God. And he is God the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity. And and listen, do you see? Do you see that when God's Son came out of Egypt in the Exodus, Israel and all those from his loins came out of Egypt and headed into the Promised Land? And in Christ, the ultimate divine Son, all those who are in Christ. Come out of Egypt and are on a pilgrimage to Canaan's happy land. Now, consider Jesus. Much of his family and his neighbors didn't know he was the Son of God. Mary knew, Joseph knew, but did anyone else know? Jesus grew up in Nazareth, and what did his brothers and sisters and his friends know as he came of age? And the scriptures don't tell us much, but as he entered his public ministry, consider this. Here was a man more than 30 years old that had never sinned. I wonder what his brothers and sisters thought about that. His own family, his four half brothers and his half sisters, that's Mark 6 3, didn't know who his father was. I mean, they probably assumed logically that it was Joseph. We know that after he was baptized and began his ministry, his family thought that he had lost his mind. Mark 3 21. After he read from the scroll of Isaiah and proclaimed that it was being fulfilled even as he read it, the people of Nazareth tried to kill him. This is Luke 4 29. Obviously, they had never known or realized who he was, and they still didn't. They had no idea that the Son of God dwelt amongst them. John the Baptist, that greatest of prophets, He knew Jesus was the Son of God, but only because he had been given a miraculous sign. You remember the sign of the Spirit descending like a dove upon Jesus and the voice of God speaking out of the heaven saying, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. John the Baptist knew he was God's Son. Impetuous Peter knew. He had the knowledge that Jesus was God's Son. And the Holy Scripture affirms that that was a rare, rare knowledge, even divinely imparted knowledge. The Bible says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. Matthew 16, 13 through 17. Upon the Mount of transfiguration, Peter and James and John had the divine sonship powerfully confirmed. After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou will, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice out of the cloud which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man, only Jesus. Matthew 17, verses 1 through 8. Not many knew. Not many knew that Jesus was the Son of God. Not many understood even though the evidence was there for all to see. God had poured out his spirit upon Jesus without measure. He had given all things into his hand, John three thirty four and 35. And Jesus went about doing the wonderful works of God, healing, casting out demons, and preaching good news to the poor. Demons knew him. St. Matthew records when he came to the other side in the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, "What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time?" Matthew 8, 28 and 29. The devils knew him, and they knew of some prophecy of the Son of God coming at some time, and they thought he was early. Mark records the incident of a demon-possessed man crying with a loud voice and saying, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For Jesus said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Mark 5, 7 through 9. The devil's name. That Jesus was the divine Son of God. Mary. Joseph, John the Baptist, Peter, James, John, demons. These knew that Jesus was a Son of God, but not many others. Not many others knew. That knowledge was, listen, that knowledge was and is special, hidden, marvelous. My brother, sister, friend, do you know and understand that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God? The highly favored Bnei Ha' Elohim, the divine offspring of God the Father, wheels, Leos and theos hawios, God, the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity. Listen, thanks. We We should never lose sight of the miracle comprehended in John's words when he writes, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. John 1 11 through 13. Sons, there is masculine, but it includes the feminine. You remember that Eve was in Adam? It includes the feminine. And listen, the implications here are astounding. The apostolic teaching is that faith, that is, believing in Jesus and the work of God through Jesus, empowers one to become a member of God's family. This is a big, big deal. You understand? Belief, faith, pistis, changes the status of a fallen human being. Beloved, you and I who believe in Jesus and place, our faith, trust, and confidence in him, the Bible teaches that we are sons and daughters of God, highly favored ones. Amen. When we started in chapter 3 of his gospel, Dr. Luke records the genealogy of Joseph, and it goes all the way back to Eden. We noted in in verse 38, it speaks of Enoch that was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Adam didn't have a mama and a daddy. He was the son of God. The great apostle Paul seizes upon that idea of Adam as the son of God, being the whole head, or the head, of the entire human race. In Romans chapter 5, he teaches, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there's no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the likeness of Adam's transgression." who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded to many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, and the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so By the righteousness of one, the free gift came to all men to justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness, unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 5, 12 through 21. I know some of you are big Chronicles of Narnia fans, as I am, and if you are, then you know that when the children from our world are transported to Narnia, they're referred to as sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. In Lewis' fantasy, that's how he communicates that they are citizens of this world, earth. So beloved, I hope you understand that ultimately being a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve, it's a curse to Because of their sin, all the sons of Adam and all daughters of Eve are cursed with the curse that Adam and Eve drew upon themselves for their sin. And friend, do you see? Listen, listen. If you would inherit the kingdom of God and inherit even everlasting life, you cannot do it as a son of Adam. You can only do it as a son of God. The great apostle teaches, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last, Adam, was made an enlightening spirit. Howbeit, that was not the first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. First Corinthians 15, 45-50. And he teaches that Since by man came death, that's the man, Adam, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. That is, by the man, Jesus of Nazareth. For as in Adam, all die, even so in Christ, shall all be made alive, 1 Corinthians 15, 21-22. Pilate didn't understand much. He understood a little. He said, Behold the man. Mother, do you see? The Adam that fell in Eden was the first Adam. And the life giving spirit, Jesus Christ, the resurrected man, is the last Adam. And the sons of the first Adam will die. But the sons of the last Adam will live forever. You see, the first Adam, the son of God, fell into sin. He disobeyed God and for his sin he drew a curse upon himself and upon all of his offspring. But the last Adam, Jesus, the son of God, never sinned never disobeyed God, was perfectly obedient. And in his perfection and innocence, he died like one guilty. He died to save his people from their sins, to rescue all who are in Christ, to bring many sons to glory. So we've all... We've all entered into a relationship with Adam, naturally. We had no choice. By our flesh, by nature, we're all in Adam. Ultimately, we all come from his loins. All of us by nature are sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. But by faith, supernaturally, Christians enter into a relationship with Jesus. By the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by faith. And listen, this unseen connection, this invisible transformation, it changes lives. And it brings all who believe into everlasting life. The writer to the Hebrews tells us, faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews And Saints, listen, in light of that apostolic definition, what is the evidence that you or I are possessors of everlasting life? That you or I am a son or daughter of God? What's the evidence? Well, in light of that apostolic definition, it's faith. Faith is the evidence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. there was a man sent from God whose name was John the same came for a witness to bear witness of that light that all men through him might believe he was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world he was in the world and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. As many as received him, to them he gave the power. Sons of God, glory to his name, behold what wondrous grace the Father has bestowed on sinners of a mortal race to call them sons of God. Lord, we thank you for this day and for all that you bless us with. Thank you for gathering us here safely. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder of divine adoption. Thank you that we can be sons of God through faith in Christ, our brother. Have mercy on us. Be with us as we go about our week. Lord, encourage us to be salt and light to those around us and to live righteous righteous lives, holy lives. Have mercy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs>